Hello, and welcome to season two of Shockingly Wicked, a true crime podcast where we bring you true crime cases from the headlines to the hometowns. I'm Brianna. My birthday was Tuesday. And we are your hosts for the <laughs> evening. I just punched my webcam. It is fine. All right. I'm so very glad that we are back with season two. I kind of missed it a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I missed it a little bit. Maybe it's just the fact that we like talk <laughs> all the time. I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's it's nice to see your face constantly. Thanks. Like you you FaceTime me, so that's not I like FaceTime I'm you all the time. Never and seen. then I saw your face like person, you're like, that's why I appreciate people texting me for the call. And I was like, Well, I'm not gonna do that. So. Well, I usually answer, but if I am not able to answer, I'm not gonna pick up. So <laughs> as long as you are aware of that, then I'm like, Yeah, that's like that's I get it. That's valid. Yep. <laughs> yes so i enjoyed the break i needed the break because i was gonna tear my hair out but i'm glad we're back so and we have our website and we have our yes. patreon everything is up we have a presence on the internet that is not just our voices and it's i'm really proud of it actually like yeah the website I think looks really we'll... good if you guys haven't checked it out yet <laughs> yeah so once we got the pictures and i started putting those in everywhere i was like yes this is it <laughs> and i'm i'm really happy with how it turned out so today we have a really exciting case we found her on tiktok yes so you may have seen the video pop up on your for you page that's how i found it personally it was probably if i remember right it was the one where she was making a very morbid joke that she talks about later she was really nice she decided to sit down with us and yeah we a couple did weeks ago yeah she said we were the first people to reach out that she said yes yeah. to and i was like thanks that she's made, also a big swifty yeah that, that made my heart very happy uh the fact that she said we were the first ones that she felt safe like telling her story to i was a little concerned approaching somebody about something that is so personal but at the same time she wants to get her mom's story out there so i was like well the worst she can do is say no but she was up for it i'm really grateful to have her on her name is brooke say hi brooke hi everybody <laughs> what is your username i don't quite remember it but um it's b nicole 324 okay so if you potentially have seen her videos pop up on your for you page you probably already know a little bit about what's going on but we wanted to give her a chance to talk more about the case in a confined way make it so that a lot of information's all in one place so people aren't having to <laughs> sort through so many videos and all that what made you want to start posting the story on tiktok it was an accident. Um, so <laughs> what happened was there was this trend going on um, with this song that you like told a story and at the end it was like, I'm picking up really sketch vibes. Yeah. And I was laying in bed one night, like scrolling through TikTok and I got this super morbid idea. And I was like, would anyone think this was funny or is this too much? And then I was like, I'm just going to do it and see what happens. And I posted this TikTok like basically reenacting the night my mom died like really short version and then like all these people like showing up around my bed and me being like I'm picking up really sketch vibes like this is not <laughs> cool and yeah. I sent it to my big sister and I was like um hey 
I did this. Don't be bad. Like, you know, but uh, I was just like, oh, God, if people don't find the humor in this, it's going to be really bad. Uh, Like, like, I'm really going to have to delete it. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, people are going to be, if I'm going to re-traumatize people, like, this is bad. Um, And the next day, the next night, it went crazy. Um, It got, which now, crazy has a whole different level with my TikTok, but at the time... I had like a hundred views maybe, and it went to yeah. 400,000 really quick. Oh, oh wow. So I got like 10,000 followers and I was like, oh my God, this is nuts. Like, mm-hmm. and my sister was like, hey, your TikTok's blowing up. Like, um, so she's been watching them from the beginning um, because then mm-hmm. people were suddenly like, well, what's the story? And I was like, well, I guess I should tell the story. And then it became this like, well, if I'm taking it on, I'm taking it on full force. Um, yeah. I wanted to do something about this my whole life. But I was either in college or not settled. And finally, I'm like, you know what? I, I'm i stable. I have a house. Like, I am I'm, have a good job. I can go do that. So um, I can take it on and be mentally okay. So okay. I just went hardcore on it. But um, my little sister found out about it maybe a week ago. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, no. So that was a whole different story. I've been doing this for six months. Um, yeah. She found You're out. like, oh, hi. <laughs> hey. Uh, yeah, so my big sister called her and told her. Um, mm-hmm. She watched it. And, uh, yeah, she was – everyone's fine with it. It was just one of those things where I was just like, uh, I don't know how to tell you this. <laughs> <laughs> like, ma'am, I'm already committed, so just go with it at this point. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's it's kind of blown up. Like, I can't stop. People will be worried. So, like, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, especially but, because of the nature of the story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like for a while, like they were they were both like, "All right, yeah, like let's let's do it." And they were like, you know, commenting, but they're just so shy. They're both very shy, yeah. and yeah, that's so much going on in like families and stuff. So it's not like I can. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, I have a dog, so I'll take this on. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> We're kind of going to do this. Um, if you listen to our Todd Colehep episode, we're kind of going to do it similar to that, where we intersperse pieces of the interview throughout the episode. But we're going to go ahead and jump right in. This is the story of Carol Ann Somerville. And I'm going to say Somerville because that was her maiden name. And yeah, we don't want to just... say the last name. You can look it up, but we're not going to put that out there. Yeah, because you can find it. The information's out there. But I also know that I will laugh if I say it repeatedly. So it's that's okay. Just my she laughs at it. So <laughs> yeah, we can say yeah, that. So, but she's she's so sweet. She is very sweet. So she's funny too. Be sure to follow her on TikTok. I believe she also has an Instagram, but she posts stuff primarily to TikTok for especially the the story. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead and jump right into the story of Carol Ann Somerville. Born on January 18th, 1961 in Paris, Illinois. (gasps) There's Uh, a Paris in Illinois? Yes. And I was not aware of that. (laughs) I thought there was only one. Isn't there one in Texas? I think so. But that's not too surprising because it's like every time you go to like some downtown area of another city, like all of the street names are the same. (laughs) That's true. true. So so it's like, I guess there was just like very limited names out there that people didn't want to get creative. (laughs) This is a good one. We'll just go with it. It's fine. 
<laughs> yes. So uh, her parents were Ernest and Carolyn Somerville. She was the middle of three children. She had two brothers. I don't know which was the oldest and which was the youngest, but they were named Kelly and Brent. Unfortunately, her mother passed away in April of 1969 when she was eight years old. Dang, how old is she? Um, I, she was young, uh, if I remember right. She was... Hold on. I'm about yeah, to she, she was. Maths. She was 31 when she passed away. So the she, fact that she had three kids before 31, I'm like, damn, I can't even imagine it. Like, I'm 30 this year. Like, I turned 30 this past year. She, I, there's no way. That would make Brooke 52. What? No. The, Brooke, we're not talking about Brooke. We're talking about Brooke's mom. Yeah, but wasn't she alive then? No. Brooke wasn't alive? No, we're talking about Carol's mom. mom. Like her, her, uh, yeah. Oh, I was like, there's no way. <laughs> I was so sorry, sorry, sorry. I was so confused. I can tell. <laughs> no, we're not talking about. <laughs> we're talking about Carol's mom. Uh, okay, Carol's so mom, we're talking about Carol right now. Okay, yes, we're talking. Okay. About, oh, yes, we're talking about Carolyn. So Carolyn Somerville passed away in April of 1969 at the age of 31. And then Carol Ann, fa- you just said Carol Ann Summerlin passed away. No, Carolyn. That's her mother's name. <laughs> I don't like this. Brittany. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That was very it's, confusing. It is okay. And then her father, Ernest, he actually passed away the year after that in 1970 at the age of 47. And I'm not going to make a comment about the age difference because we already know how I feel about that. Um, but Carol was only nine at the time that that happened. So she was really young. Like her and her brothers were very young when their parents passed away. Do you know away. how her so, mom passed away or no? Um, I don't know how either of them passed away. I just know when they did. Um, I wasn't able to find that information. After her parents' deaths, all three of the kids, they were raised by their maternal grandparents, Helen and Calvin Somerville. Stop. Um, so cute. I love those names. (laughs) They are very cute. At the time, they lived in Clinton, Indiana, where Carol attended Clinton High School. At some point, she switched schools because it looked like she might have graduated from South Vermilion High School in 1978. She was actually married twice. So the first marriage was to Don Miller, who was at the time a 31-year-old pipe fitter in Hillsdale, Indiana on June 20th. What is a pipe fitter? I'm assuming something to do with like, I don't know, not plumbing, but like, (laughs) well, yeah, but um, it's like, I'm not, not plumbing, but it's like probably like industrial sized pipes you know like mm. for like pipelines and things like that that would be my guess i don't actually know what a pipe fitter is yeah like i don't know uh, yeah so they were married on june 20th 1981 at the time carol was only 20 years old uh when they when she got married that first time but i guess that was kind of the thing back in the day you got married when you were like super young i got married at 21 so i can't say anything <laughs> that's true <sighs> anyway i'm only 23 um according to the marriage certificate don had actually been married three times before he had married carol good for him like i I thought that was really like it was really interesting to me to look at these marriage certificates because i didn't realize that like at least in certain places i don't know if it's this way everywhere but you actually have to indicate how many times you had been married before in the past before you have to in south carolina okay i did not know that that's interesting when we were filling out our marriage certificate they asked us and i was like how many ex-wives do you have? <laughs> he has none. Spoiler alert. <laughs> no. Well, I was going to say, I hope he said one, and then he'd leave you with that mystery for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, together, they had one child named Kari. Kari? I'm actually not sure how it's pronounced, but it's K-A-R-I. They actually didn't last too long. Their marriage ended literally to the day uh, eight years later. So June 20th, 1989. And then 10 days after that divorce was finalized, she got married to her second husband, which is the one that we we're about to talk about. <laughs> so for her. That was on June Look, 30th. She is not missing a beat. True. So she, on the marriage certificate, she listed her occupation as being a stay-at-home mother. And she was 36 at the time that all of this happened. So that she was pretty That is a valid young. job. People who are stay-at-home mothers, I applaud you because I could never do that. Like, I do not envy stay-at-home mothers. I know that they love it. They, I, It's not to say that I wouldn't enjoy being around my children, but I would also like a break. And stay-at-home mothers never get a break. <laughs> I, I hope most stay-at-home mothers have good partners who, once they get home from work, will actually, like, take the kids off of their hands for a while so that they can go relax and do something. But who knows, you know? This, this world, world, weird world we live in. I can speak. Before we talk about what happened, tell us about your mom. Like, what are some of your favorite things about her? Oh my goodness. Um, I would say... I really, the big things that I remember are that she was really into being a mom. Like that was the big thing that I remember is that she always wanted to be a mom and always talked about having kids. And then she was just always right there. Like I have no memories of my dad before I was six, but I have a ton of my mom. So, um, and I know she hated the sound of turn signals. Um, <laughs> I remember little stuff like that. Like um, she would eat pepperoncinis out of the jar. Um, you know, like just right. <laughs> um, loved onions and loved spicy food. Not, I definitely know where I get that from. Um, yeah. So I, it's it's weird because I remember a lot of little things, um, but the big oversweeping things. You know, I never talked to her as an adult. So, but. Um, yeah, I remember the little things. Yeah. Well, the little things are important, too. Yeah. They're what make us who we are. Absolutely. Okay, so her second husband was Michael Joseph Butt, and that <laughs> is why I am not going to say the last name very often, because I know myself, and I am, like, inwardly 12 years old, and I'm going to laugh. So he was born um, in October of, I saw either 1956 or 1955, but I couldn't find specifically the, the mid fifties. Yes. So, uh, he was born in new Albany, Indiana to Mitzi Norman and justice, Butt. justice, um, justice, J U S T U S, which odd was a name. very interesting spelling of justice. <laughs> That's just an odd name. Uh, yeah, it, it is. I, I don't understand that's like when people are named Hero, though. That's an odd name to me. I, When I was doing delivery, I remember there was one person whose name was Ocean, but it was spelled in such a really weird way. But I love that for them. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like... Oh, I, I, know, I, wish... um, I know a Storm, and his brother is uh, Rain, and his sister is Sky. I love that. But their <laughs> other sister is uh, Amber, so I don't know. Oh, well, I, there's there's only so many you can do. There's only so that. many. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is my sister, Cumulus. <laughs> Cloudy day. <laughs> um, so 
Michael had been married twice before meeting Carol. Um, and I didn't find out too much information. Um, I found out that his second marriage ended in December of 1982. So he was single for a really long time before actually getting married again. Mm -hmm. Um, But his first marriage, I believe, was to Nancy Roberts on December 17th, 1972 in San Bernardino, California. He was 17 and she was 19. The only reason I say that is because I found like a marriage certificates thing on Ancestry.com looked like it was all the same information for him but as i said like i'd never had a specific birth date for him so it was i was going off the name and then born october 1956 19 it said about 1955 <laughs> like that's that's okay. literally what it said on Thanks. this i'm like okay. he about yeah. came out of the room <laughs> yeah around about like, time <laughs> around this time um so they were married for two years before dissolving the marriage on december 1st 1975 okay and but dissolving the marriage mean a divorce or does that mean an annulment so dissolving the marriage from what i understand means that they didn't have any shared assets Mm. and so i guess it's kind of like an annulment because when you get divorced usually it's because you have shared assets like you have a home you have kids or something like that and you need to figure out like how it's going to be split between you guys you know (laughs) my kids my shared assets gonna be a lawyer (laughs) one day i want this (laughs) and so to my knowledge it just like dissolving a marriage just means like we don't have anything that we share we don't have like joint bank accounts we don't have a home together things like that so like we can just separate and it's fine you know know there's no in some states if you don't consummate the marriage within a certain amount of hours you can dissolve it really i don't know how you prove it but you can that's a it's a little sketch (laughs) yeah like i wouldn't I wouldn't know how you would prove something like that. Like, are you supposed to show him a sex tape or something? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Got a Kim Kardashian it. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay. Well, like I said, he and Carol got married on June 30th, 1989. When they got married, he was 33 and she was 28. So less of an age difference between her and the That's really first not that bad. husband. Yeah, I... Yeah, because it was 11 years between her and her first husband. And then, yeah, this was only like five years. So that's that's, that's not as bad. Me and Chris are four. So, yeah. Um, they had two children together. Brooke is one of them. She's the person that we're interviewing today. And then the other is Lauren. And by profession, he was a doctor. So the crime, the night that the night in question, essentially, um, we're going to let Brooke take this part and we'll kind of intersperse some information throughout here but it's i think it's better if you guys hear it firsthand from her all right so now that we've established a a little bit about your connection with your mom can you tell us what you remember about the night that she died oh my goodness yes um Okay, so my mom slept with me a lot because I was a hardcore sleepwalker, um, which I talk about on TikTok, but um, I, they would find me like on tables and outside and I, I know like one story, like my mom told me this when I was little, I remember her telling me and me not really believing it, but then my big sister backed it up um, that I would get up and walk around the house and turn on every single light in the house. Oh my god, and my that's mom so funny. Just follow me around turning them off because you're not supposed to wake a sleepwalker. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they were afraid I was gonna like fall down the stairs or something, you know. Um, and so she would sleep with me every night 
And I would always go to bed and then she'd come up later. And I went downstairs because she wasn't coming up. And I was really confused as to why, like, it'd been a while. I was reading a book and I'd gotten pretty far and I was like, what is going on? So I went out, I went downstairs and I knocked on her door and she was right next to the door. Mm -hmm. Like she came up to the door and I looked under the crack of the door and my dad was probably 10 or 15 feet behind her. And um, she just kept telling me to go to bed. Like, she's like, go to bed. Like, I'll, I'll be up, go to bed, just go to bed. And I was like, okay. And so I went upstairs and then I waited quite a bit longer and I heard gunshots. Um, I didn't know what they were, um, but I heard them. And then a while later, like a long while later, I saw the lights um, with no siren, but the lights, my window was in the front of the house. Mm -hmm. So they reflected off of my bedroom um, from the ambulance and I, crept downstairs um like about halfway down the stairs and I looked and I could see my dad was covered in blood and there were people around him and then my big sister saw me and she came up and told me to go to to go to sleep she's like go upstairs go go to bed and I was like well what's wrong with dad and she's like he cut his finger and I was like that's way too much blood like yeah <laughs> no <laughs> like of all things like he cut his finger I don't think so um yeah and she's and I was like well where's mom and she's like uh mom got hit by a car at Walmart and I was like no because the ambulance wouldn't come here mm-hmm. and we were pretty far out in the country um and and also I didn't hear her leave the driveway and it was you know dead quiet out there so like you would hear someone leave and I would see the lights on my wall if she left um and she didn't so I was like no I just I talked to her like she didn't leave she didn't go to Walmart um and also why would she go to Walmart in the middle of the night I don't know I, I'm not a mom though so I guess I don't know like how that works but sometimes you just need toothpaste right then and there yeah I'm like you gotta do what you gotta do but uh that did not happen I was like she didn't leave like you know her car is here like I don't know what you're talking about but I didn't know her car was there but you know I knew it didn't leave and um I was like okay she's like well I was afraid of getting in trouble so I went upstairs and I went to bed and the next thing I know um I finally did fall asleep and my dad woke me up and I was surrounded by neighbors and family friends and police and they were all surrounding my bed and he woke me up and he said mom died and I was like what and he's like she got hit by a car at Walmart so I'm assuming um that my sister told him what she told me you know and that's what he went with for a while until the next day and how old were you when your mom died six okay that's so traumatizing to wake up and everybody's around your bed I mean it's traumatizing what you went through but the initial thought of like waking up your bed surrounded with all these people I was actually really I remember distinctly like in my six-year-old brain I I woke up and there were all these people and I thought oh no I'm sleeping in my underwear <laughs> like, that's, I didn't have my pajamas on because yeah. it was hot and like I don't know why it was hot in my room but it was and I was like ah, I don't need these and I just had and I was like hiding under the covers because I was like this is inappropriate but like all these people like are just basically like this poor girl just lost her mom we want to be there for her and I'm like 
someone hand me a shirt? Like, <laughs> but I, that's like one of the main reasons I even remember that yeah. I know it is because I was so mortified that there were so many people in my bedroom yeah. and I had no clothes on. Like I had underwear on, but that was it. And I was like, oh, no. I know, but that's <laughs> the most embarrassing thing as yeah. like a six-year-old is to be caught in your underwear. Yeah. yeah. I was like, this so is totally cool. Yeah, um, but I remember, like, I was just like, uh, I'm supposed to be having this emotional moment, you know, and my dad's fake crying over here, and like, what do I, you know, and I'm yeah. you're like worried about finding a shirt. I just like, we don't have clothes on. I need pajamas. <laughs> like, somebody have your pajamas. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's the bulk of what I remember, and then I remember um, walking down the stairs and being picked up, and somebody carried me outside to a truck, and then they took us to the babysitter's. In the middle of the night. That's intense. Oh, yeah. Um, why do you think that your sister made up that excuse about what happened to your mom, about her being hit by the car? Like, why do you think maybe she said that instead of I think, what she might have known? Yeah, I think I get, we're getting a, a lot of this question um, on videos and stuff. I think that it's yeah. uh, because... She was 15 years old and um, she got woken up in the middle of the night by my dad saying, I need to borrow your phone, you know? And she was like, okay. Um, she had different phone lines cause the nineties um, and she was a teenager. So they were like, yeah, oh, she can have her own phone line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And she, um, you know, she went downstairs and she walked into this, not knowing that it was going to be there. She was just going to go talk. She's like, I'll just go talk to mom. And she had no idea what she was walking into. And then, you know, really shortly after that, she sees her little sister on the stairs. And I know that she just wanted me to go upstairs. So I didn't see what she had to see. Yeah. And that was pretty much, I think she just made something up. And, you know, she told me recently, I don't want to speak for her, but she told me that she's like, I was afraid that you were going to lose your mom and your dad in one night. And we have different dads. So, you know, and she was just like, I didn't know what to do. And I was just trying to protect you. And I never thought anything other than that. I've always, you know, she was just doing the best she could at 15 because I was like, she's a kid too. Yeah, absolutely. And being put in that situation too. Yeah. Especially at that age. What do you do? Like, you're not going to tell the truth to the six year old on the stairs, you know, and she was in shock. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that that's. I mean, I know that's what happened. She was just trying to protect me and she didn't know what else to do. And she came up with the first thing that popped into her head. Yeah, that makes sense. And you still talk to your sister? Mm -hmm. Like you and her still have a good relationship? Yes. Yep. Um, She, my my big and little sister are very close. Um, And I'm not as close to either of them, but I still talk to them. I remember you mentioned in one of your TikTok videos that um, because your your dad worked as a doctor and the EMTs got there first, that there might have been, like, they kind of helped him. So could you talk about, like, that and, like, when the police showed up? So my timeline is very fuzzy, obviously. Um, And Mm -hmm. I'm, like, trying to read through documents. And and a lot of it is contradicting on the timeline-wise. But um, there is a document that says that the um a certain emt washed his hands before anyone could say anything or do anything about it um they she washed his hands i don't know if the police were there or not at that point um but she said they didn't say anything to me about it Mm -hmm. 
And they were like, well, why did you wash her hand, his hands and like wash him off? And she's like, well, I cleaned him up because I didn't want the children to see him like that. So that was um, what she says. But um, I was told by my family and my mom's family that that alone broke it. That was that was the worst thing that could have happened. Yeah, because, I mean, her blood could be on there. Uh, Gunpowder residue could be on there. All of that. Mm-hmm. And it, and he they asked him to do a polygraph and test for gunpowder, and he said no to both. And they didn't mm-hmm. push it. Um, and so they actually passed it off onto OSBI afterwards, like because it was the sheriff's office at first. And the sheriff got there and was like, this is out of my depth. He was brand new. He, he'd mm-hmm. been on He'd been sheriff for like a month, I think, and he did not have a law enforcement background. So he was like, this is above my pay grade. <laughs> like, I'm going to yeah, pass yeah. this to OSBI. I know this is like a big deal. But by the time they even got it, it was already bungled because he had been washed off. He'd been let go without being tested. You know, he there was just a lot of him saying, I'm going to do it this way. And everyone being like, all right, like mm-hmm. you, you seem to have some authority here. <laughs> yeah. You know, and there was not much of an investigation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that definitely prevents any sort of consequences for him in that sense as well. So were they essentially like your mom's case was just like open and closed. Like it was a suicide. We're going to close the book. No, um, her autopsy says undetermined. Okay. Um, and it was never ruled a suicide. Um, okay. and, yeah. And um, the insurance company went after him hard. Mm-hmm. And that's the, all the documents I have, all the depositions, everything's from the insurance company. And they, um, they ruled that it was good enough. The evidence against him was good enough to not give him the money. So yeah. I don't, you know, they don't have to do like beyond a reasonable doubt or anything like that they just have yeah. to do like the overwhelmingness of evidence or something yeah the preponderance of the evidence yeah. or something like that yes, yes. and that was <laughs> enough to not yeah you know i'm yeah. like i don't know what that is but uh, <laughs> i was just like i just know he didn't get it like yeah yeah absolutely but yeah it was never ruled a suicide it was never ruled a homicide it was that's good well, yeah, it's not good. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's good. It wasn't ruled a suicide, but it's not good. It wasn't ruled a homicide. Right, exactly. There were just too many questions to make it um, ruled a suicide because there was like, well, and, I, and I'm sure having him wash his hands didn't help. Didn't help, obviously either. Yeah, <laughs> at <help>. all. <laughs> there was that. Um, yeah. And so he said that she shot herself, but was there any sort of evidence like found on her body? So, there was no gunshot residue on her. Um, um, What's weird about that is that I've read that there was no gunshot residue on her hands. And I've read depositions that's like from witnesses that say her hands were whiter than I've ever seen hands be. Like, they had no marks on them. They were perfectly white, except they had drops of blood on the palm. Um, Which... But um, they, I have not seen who tested her. Okay. So that is something that I'm like, I I can't definitively say that Mm -hmm. they did test her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I've seen multiple 
documents say she didn't have it on her at all. And then I've, I've, but I can't find something that said like, hey, we did the test. Mm -hmm. So it's like a weird, I'm a scientist. So I try to like be like, okay, okay. I want to definitively say this, but yeah, this is what it's leading me towards. Like there's multiple people saying that, but I'm like, they're not the ones who did the test. So I don't, you know. Understandable. The whole correlation does not equal causation. Yes. (laughs) And your dad, um, there was, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to interrupt you. There's a lag. (laughs) You did not. not, No, you're good. Um, your dad, not your dad, but there was an insurance, um, policy taken out. Correct. Like two years prior. Yes. Okay. That's what I wanted to make sure of. Yes. It was supposed to be paid out. It would pay out for suicide exactly two years from the date that it started. Um, okay. But the the date was two years to the day that she died. And then, but the date was wrong. It wasn't the day she signed. She signed like three weeks later. Wow. So it would have started yeah. three weeks later. So, yeah. yeah. It, but that's still crazy like that it was the same date quote-unquote you know even though she didn't sign it then yeah i mean and he fought that hard because he's like no it says february 8th and she died february 8th and they were like but it's technically in march (laughs) yeah so (laughs) he's like ah no well Uh, shout out to the insurance company because they seem to have done more investigation than the police did (laughs) oh they went hard i was like oh my goodness i need to get life insurance with these people like i (laughs) love them now i didn't know anything about this company before and i'm like Mm -hmm. no you guys i i swear they paid more investigating than they paid out like so probably i'm sure they did because i they they fought it for years Mm -hmm. it didn't even get done until 1999 Wow. Okay. Yeah. And they like, yeah, it was hard. It was, it was settled two weeks before trial. You can listen. You can always count on insurance companies doing the most to not pay. (laughs) That's true. I appreciate that. I know. And what's weird is they did end up paying. They just paid like the kid. Somebody else. Yeah. I'm like, they just really didn't want to pay him. They were mad. Yeah. They said, I'll be damned if I pay this man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some of them were sassy. They were like, no, under no circumstances is this man ever going to get a dime from us. It was so funny to read that. I was oh, like, oh. good for them. Yeah. And, <laughs> good I, for them. Insurance documents are the best. They are so <laughs> hardcore. I Once you understand what they're saying, like halfway through, you're like, oh, wait, they're being sassy. Like, mm-hmm. like hardcore. I love it. I was like, you guys, you. I need to get life insurance with you now. You're awesome. <laughs> well, like, if anything so, happens to me, they got my back. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. What was it specifically that made you realize your dad wasn't really being truthful about what happened to your mom? I really think when what made me really realize it was that, like, I saw the blood on him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know to this day if he knew I saw that. So, like, after you got older and you realized, like, obviously she didn't get hit by a, by a car at Walmart, what did they initially tell you, like, actually happened? So, they actually told us the next day. Okay. So, they told us the next day, um, I guess my mom's friends made my dad come tell us that, um, and he said, your mom shot herself. And that's what he said. And I was, he, he kind of banned us from talking about it 
Um, so we couldn't really ask questions. I didn't really know the full story or anything close to it um, until much more recently. But he just said that he shot himself or she shot herself. And I realized that wasn't true as I got older. We'll get right to that after a quick word about our sponsors. And Carol's cause of death officially was a single gunshot wound to her mouth. Oh, she was shot in the mouth? I didn't know she was shot yes. in the mouth. Yeah, I knew she was shot, but I didn't know where. So the fact that it was shot in the mouth, I think that puts things a little bit more into perspective, I guess, as to why some people might have believed that it was a suicide, I guess, because that's a very difficult way to to murder somebody under certain circumstances and we're going to get a little bit into that as i talk about the investigation part so the medical examiner's report indicated that the forensic pathologists who were on the case couldn't actually determine whether the death was a suicide a homicide or an accident i don't know what factors have to be in place for them to not be able to determine one way or another um but from what it sounded like like from Brooks retelling is that there was just not a lot of evidence that was actually collected that mm-hmm. night that could say definitively. Um, I, if I remember right, she said there was no gunshot residue on her, um, on her mom or on her dad, but her dad, it was because they he like helped wash him off. Yeah. Um, so it's like the fact that <laughs> they literally destroyed evidence. Like, I feel like that's a little, sketchy right there like that would be enough to make me think hmm, maybe this isn't all it's cracked up to be you know like I could understand like changing your clothes but that's like to take them off and give them over for evidence but like washing your body and like getting rid of all of that like that's that's different so David Thomas who is Michael's attorney he stated that he was told the evidence pointed to suicide. And here's some of the stuff that he kind of said in the process. He said that they had spoken with Carol's close friends who said that she was very depressed and that they were not surprised she had taken her life. And I say sounds fake, but okay. And the only reason why I say that is because like we asked Brooke that question. Did your mom ever have like a, um, that you know of, did she ever have like a history of like, Um, depression or anything that would lead anybody to believe that she did shoot herself so yes and no um not that i'm aware of i knew that they had a i know they have had a history of marital issues Um, okay i know that and then um she found out about the first sexual battery charge Mm -hmm. two months before she died and we got pulled out of school to be to asked about it um, and interviewed for it. Like, I, I got pulled out of first grade. Um, I was sitting on the ground. I remember being pulled out. I don't remember being interviewed, but I remember being pulled out of class mm-hmm. and going to the principal's office and thinking I was in trouble. But they just had to ask me questions. And that's when the whole town found out about it. So right after that, and that was probably six weeks before, I don't have the exact date, but it was around six weeks before she died that happened. So I know that she started kind of like pulling away from people then, 
mm-hmm. and not like not hanging out with her friends as much and she was like not going shopping as much and um like she they there was something about going to a birthday party and she just kind of like looked depressed and and I'm like well yeah she just found out her husband did something to a minor you know like she's yeah. gonna not try to like hang out very much with people I would probably like trying to process it in her own way yeah so there was some like but I I would think it would be situational depression leading up to when that happened but it was because it was right then yeah which that makes sense I just wasn't sure if like because he was trying to pursue the suicide case aspect of it if he had anything I guess essentially to like back up that um she she was on prozac um but who wasn't in like in the 90s like i he was too you know what i mean like yeah everybody's on prozac everyone's on prozac so like um she had gone to um a psychiatrist about a year before um but i don't really know why um but it was based on marital issues is what I was told. Yeah. It's kind of like she was worried because um, from what I understand and I don't know if this is true obviously I didn't hear it firsthand because I was little but from what I understand it was very much that um, she really loved him and he didn't really pay attention to her. So and that that was what she was like and she had just moved really far away from her family like 800 oh, miles. That's, that's, I mean it's sad anyways but it's so sad to be with somebody that you really love and who's not re- reciprocating those yeah, same yeah. feelings yeah and, and then also being had, away from your support system and, yeah and she had a 15 year old and then two kids under five yeah, yeah. like what you know it was just kind of like how do you yeah how do i how do i handle this so it doesn't affect the kids i don't see yes. yeah and so i think so that, that that had a lot to do with um her seeing a psychiatrist before and I'm like well yeah I mean I'd be depressed too but I don't know you know if she actually was ever diagnosed with depression or anything like that I don't think so Mm -hmm. but I don't know and it makes sense in the fact that the aspect end of that time period yeah like it would make sense that she would be depressed given the circumstances because not only is her husband like cheating on her Um, But he had also been, like, recently accused of sexual assaulting minors. So I would also be depressed in in those circumstances. But I don't think it would be enough to, like, take your own life. I guess it just depends on the mental stability of that person. That's true. But I guess the way that Brooke talked about her, about how she loved being a mom, it just made it seem like, to me, she wouldn't have done that because she wouldn't want to leave her kids in that situation. So the lawyer also released a transcript from a conversation that he had with a state medical examiner, uh, Dr. Chai Choi. That's a very interesting name. I love Um, that for them. Yeah. I love alliteration. But that's 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 a bit of a tongue twister. Chai Choi, who stated the injuries looked, quote, like a typical suicide, unquote, and would only be a homicide if the victim had been in a deep coma and that they didn't, quote, see any coma, unquote. However. However, Carol's autopsy report showed she had a muscle relaxant 
an antidepressant and, quote, a drug similar to Valium, unquote, in her system at the time of her death. And if you don't know what Valium is, the, like, medical name is diazepam. It is a benzodiazepine used to treat anxiety, alcohol withdrawal, and seizures. But it is also used to relieve muscle spasms and to provide sedation before medical procedures. So... You can't say there's no evidence of a coma when there's literally a like a sedation drug in this person's system. Like, That's also amount- what Eminem's mom um, was addicted to and served her kids. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> it's a very random fact to know. Thank you well, for sharing. Values. It's all in the songs. That's I. I don't listen to Eminem. I so know, I know, but that. my dad made me listen to it at like six, so I know. That explains so much. (laughs) (laughs) So they did say in the report that the amount of each of those was within the accepted therapeutic ranges that would be prescribed. So it doesn't seem like it would have been an excess of any of those, but I imagine all three together, all three together. Plus she had a blood blood alcohol level of 0.08, which is below the legal limit to be considered drunk, but she was clearly, she had alcohol. All of that combined, I would imagine probably had some effect on like her level of alertness. I'm sure it knocked her unconscious or not very close to it because that's three downers and alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, Cause it's like, you've got, you've got Valium, which is used for sedation. Then you've got a muscle relaxant, which is probably going to prevent you from like which is also used for anxiety, fighting off, correct? Yeah, yeah. Plus, um, depre- as- antidepressant, which is also yeah. used for anxiety most yeah. of the time. It's an anti-anxiety, antidepressant. Those are all downers. They'll all make you drowsy. Plus, alcohol on top. Yeah, exactly. So it's like when he says that uh, th- he didn't see any coma. That p- tells me that this person doesn't know what they're talking about. Like. Maybe it wasn't somebody who was like literally comatose, but they were not conscious. Like what? I do not believe that that this person. Sure, was they're conscious. not able to drive, buddy. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the autopsy report was actually like reported to the public three days before Michael opened up a new medical office, which for me was a little bit like so much for mourning. Like your wife I died mean, and I you're opening really... a new medical practice. Okay, but to play, to be fair and to play devil's advocate, people mourn in different ways. So I guess like to be on the opposite side, he could have already been in the process of opening the medical office and wanted to drown himself into work. Probably That's not the possible. case, but just to play devil's advocate, people mourn in different ways. That's possible. Okay. Some important things to note. This is this is a side conversation not related to in the investigation but it's important to know because it puts things into context um like i said earlier he had been accused of sexually assaulting some minors the only ones that i could officially find were he was convicted in oklahoma of sexual abuse of two underage patients one was 17 years old and the other was seven jesus the teenager reported this the incident to the police and returned to the office about I think almost two weeks later, wearing a wire for them, which captured him apologizing for his actions at their previous appointment, which is basically admitting guilt, saying like, like, I don't think he specifically said, I'm sorry for touching you, but he said, I'm sorry for my actions. So it's like he's somewhat admitting guilt, but it's still very vague. And he also said that it wouldn't happen again. So 
he still claims that he is innocent and that he didn't do this because like, of course he would. It doesn't sound like he's the type who takes responsibility for his own actions. Like the, like the cheating on, I don't know. To me, he's, he just doesn't sound like the type who's used to facing consequences. Mm -hmm. Your standard narcissist. Yep. And was it like little things that you're like, obviously there was blood and then you recall um, coming down the stairs and then they're like, I don't want to say they're arguing, but like they were talking. Yeah. Like what made you start? What were the things that made you start like piecing together? That's not, she didn't shoot herself. There's something more to this story. Um, I was like in my early teens um, when I found out about the sexual battery charges against my dad. I, I was, okay. well, I always knew about one of them okay. um, when I was young. And when I realized that, that there was more than one okay, and he stopped kind of even denying it because I asked him, I was like, did you do that? And he didn't really say anything. He didn't say he didn't. He didn't say he didn't. Mm-hmm. But I was like, he could be lying about everything. Yeah. And that's kind of when I started being open to looking into it because he had always told me that he's like, well, your mom's family thinks I killed her. That's what he always said. So, and I was always like, why would they think that? Yeah. If you didn't like, and then when I realized he'd been lying to me my whole life about other things that were very important. Mm -hmm. And I realized I was like, oh, Maybe he's lying about everything else. And then I started yeah. looking at it critically and just stopped um, just blindly believing him, you know, because yeah. he's my dad. Um, would you would you mind going into detail about the sexual sexual battery charges against him? Would that be something that you're open to talking about? Yeah. Um, all I, I can tell you what I know. It's not a lot. Yeah. Um, but um, the way that I was presented it when I was younger, I was I think eight or nine, um, I asked my dad, why aren't you a doctor anymore? I didn't understand like why we had all this money and then we were suddenly super poor. And you know what I mean? Like there were just a lot of yeah. things. It was little and I was like, I don't get this. Like what happened? And I thought it had to do with my mom dying, which mm-hmm. didn't really make sense to me as I got older. Cause you know, everything yeah. kind of happened at once. And I was like, what is going on? And he was like, Oh, you know, when I was, when you were younger, um, somebody came into the office that I was working at and said that I touched her inappropriately because she wanted my money. And I was like, oh. And he said, and so I, I fought with lawyers and, um, you know, and I was like, well, what ended up happening? He said, I ran out of money to fight it. So I just said I did it. Or he pled no contest. You know, he took a, he took a plea. So um, I was like, uh, okay, but I was always told he like didn't do that. But that was all I really knew about the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was fifteen, he had mentioned that um, he he I he picked me up from school one day when I was in high school, and I got in the car before my sister did because um, you know we let I always got there before she did, so mm-hmm. we were waiting on her. And he goes, hey, do you remember this person from when you were little? And I said, yeah, and it was a friend of mine. And he said, well, she's saying that I touched her. And I said, did you? And he's like, I don't really want to talk about it in front of your sister. And then that was it. He went to bed for a week 
and a week later we woke up and he was being arrested like we didn't wait it was at night but like we came home from from christmas shopping and he was arrested so um you know i I was like well what's going to happen to us are you going to make a plan for us like what's going to happen to us yeah we had one parent we were like and i was like you have to make a plan he's like oh nothing will happen to me and then a week later he got arrested so it was like that's and um he ended up doing time for that one for a year um the first one he didn't do any time at all that i'm aware of wow so he kind of has this history of not taking responsibility for the stuff he's done that's what it sounds like yeah absolutely i think that um he's he just thinks he can get away with anything and for the most part he really has Mm-hmm. I mean, a year for doing that twice that we know about. Yeah. You know, that's just the amount of people that have come forward. During this investigation phase, they spoke with a woman who had a similar allegation against him back in July of 1994, but they were dismissed due to a lack of, quote, clear and convincing evidence, unquote, which isn't uncommon when it comes to sexual assault. Like, more often than not, unless you, like, go and get a rape kit and all that's done, like, there's not going to be much evidence to yeah because it could be he said she said yeah it's and it's words it's the sad words. yeah it's the sad truth and especially in the 90s like they're Which not I gonna can, take this i get because you want to make sure that without a doubt 100 percent, the person is at fault because you don't want to send a guilt uh innocent person to jail or charge them yeah. with a crime they did not commit so i completely understand it but i think the evidence should be easy, more easily attainable or yeah I guess not easily attainable, but there should be, I don't know. There should be other avenues for that. And especially back in the nineties, like I can imagine nobody's going to take the word of this woman over um, this guy who was from all accounts, he was like very well known in the area, like a very like high profile doctor. Not to mention DNA is not really a thing. I mean, it's very, very, very new. Yeah. It's slowly coming into slowly coming into policing at this time, but it's still not very, very like developed at that point. So he was charged for the, um, the underage patient, the one, the 17 year old, um, only a few weeks. I couldn't find a whole lot of information about that. Like, I found seven-year-old in an article, could not find a whole lot of, like, anything after that. But it usually when it's, like, a young child, they're not going to release a whole lot of well, information. Well, yeah, and I guess because, like, is a seven-year-old considered, um, like, is that considered a good witness? Is that con- Are they going to be able to, like... That too. Yeah. So it's, it's very possible that that one, they might maybe, like, settled out of court. I don't actually know. So he was charged for that... In January of 1997, which was only a few weeks before Carol's death, and his trial was meant to start on June 9th of that year, but it was pushed to the fall, I guess, because of everything else that was going on. Yeah, important to keep that in mind. Like, he has been convicted in the past of doing these things, so it's not, it would not be surprising to me if Carol was depressed at the time, but... You know, that's... But regardless of if she is, just because you're depressed doesn't automatically mean you're suicidal. Exactly. Yes. And again, it's the 90s, so there's not as much of an understanding of depression and all of that. Yeah, well, at mental that time. illness is such a taboo, was such a, it's still a taboo subject today, but it's a lot more um, accepted, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I think more people are starting to realize that it 
touches pretty much everybody in some way Mm -hmm. like you might not have it but somebody you love probably does so it's people are starting to understand it a little bit more and the science is also advanced the brain is a weird thing (laughs) okay you can't keep it happy all the time that is one way of putting it yes (laughs) the brain is a weird place yes so in spite of him being convicted of sexually assaulting minors um his medical license wasn't actually permanently revoked in the state of illinois until august of 2011 according to state records so i looked into it a little bit and there was this article that mentioned him and then uh like i don't know like 10 other doctors or something like that in the state who had been convicted of some sort of like sexual crime who were still able to practice so the illinois medical yeah agreed um the illinois medical practice act didn't allow for licenses to be permanently revoked unless a doctor had been convicted twice of a felony involving controlled substances or public aid offenses so that's not neither of those like unless the person was under the influence i guess when they committed the act that like it wouldn't have yeah anyway uh sex crimes might be grounds for quote lesser disciplinary action unquote but it's not a guarantee that they're actually going to face any sort of consequences don't love Um, that yeah same um that's just the state of illinois i don't know how it is other places but um they also said apparently if someone's license is suspended that someone can actually reapply after a certain amount of time to resume practicing so the article I got this information from was from the Chicago Tribune. Um, and here's a quote that I pulled directly from it. So, quote, in February 2010, the department began additional disciplinary proceedings against Michael Butt after he was convicted in Oklahoma of sexual abuse of a teenager and a seven year old. His license was already suspended for failure to pay taxes, unquote. I love so, that that's what they suspended his license for. Right. Not for actually like harming his patients. Yeah. It's like, hello, what happened to the oath to do no harm? You know, like you're, you're literally a doctor and you're, you're sexually assaulting your patients. Like, Mm -mm -mm. um, but yeah, so like I said, his, his license was not actually permanently revoked until 2011. And that was like, that's recent too. That's only like 10 years ago. Keep in mind, he was convicted of this back in 97. So, <laughs> like that's like the, 24 years ago so you can't actually get like yeah until so like it's 20 that's stupid yeah. so currently the case is considered a cold case so it's not closed like it's not solved but nobody's really like actively investigating. But they've like reopened it right they reopened well it. if i remember if i remember right she said something about how she re- return she got a return phone call from somebody so it sounds like because there's been renewed interest in the case um they might actually start to investigate it again and i hope they do how that happens like you have to get a big following or media attention to get a case reopened when we really should just work them until you can't work them anymore yeah, and like with, I understand that like financially, it's, it's yeah resources. I I get that. Yeah, um, but every with something matters. like this though, it's like when there's new people who come into the unit. Like I feel like 
you should go through all of the cases again. So it's like somebody with fresh eyes is looking at it because they might be able to catch something that you didn't. Oh, I'm a bit, I am big for like after such amount of time, we should have a brand new third party, not third party, but like brand new detective or brand new investigator look at it because 98% of the time that's who ends up solving it. Somebody brand new who wasn't involved in the case to begin with. Yeah, because they aren't going to have the same biases that other people do. Well, they also, I guess if you look at something so much that you're going to, you memorize it so you don't pay as much detail as somebody who who would coming in who knows nothing about it. That's true. There's also that too. What are you hoping will happen now that your story the your mother's story is getting more traction other than the police potentially reinvestigating and actually determining what heating up that cold case yes (laughs) (laughs) stick in the microwave (laughs) Um, yeah right other than that um you know other than anything that could legally happen um Mm -hmm. it's mostly for me like the court of public opinion um Mm -hmm. because i have always grown up like and had everyone i meet eventually if i get close enough to them i have to tell them about my parents or yeah. explain why I don't have them, you know, because it's like a weird situation where you're like, eh, I don't really have parents, you know, like, um, but, you know, every significant other I've ever had, like, I'll, like I've always had, or friends even, like, if I get close enough to them, I tell them, like, yeah, but I know that it's been hard for a lot of people to comprehend when I say, like, well, he did it, but he got away with it. So, like, how do you know it wasn't suicide? You know, like yeah. if, if he got away with it, then obviously he's not guilty. You know, like that's mm-hmm. the assumption. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really nice now to have all of these details out there so I can just be mm-hmm. like, just watch this. Yeah. Just Here's the link to my page. <laughs> just scroll. Completely up to date. You won't have to worry about anything. No. Um, and it's nice because I'm like, if I genuinely believe um, if all of the evidence pointed to suicide, mm-hmm. I could accept that. Yeah. But it doesn't. And that's mm-hmm. the part that I struggle with. So I'm like, it's really nice that other people will now see that it doesn't point that way either. Yeah. You know, or and at least having some answers is better than none. Yes. And um, not having to, I feel like, defend her every time I talk about it. You know, like, because yeah. yeah. it's, I'm like, she was the victim here. Like, that's yeah. the thing. And people automatically assume or that I just like, don't want to think that about my mom. You know, like. Yeah. They're like, oh, but what did she do? Or yeah. something like that. Yeah. So I was trying to figure out what they might have done instead of looking at everything and right. all of the circumstances. Yeah. Right. And like, it's mostly, I mean, people don't even know what questions to ask. Like, yeah. you know, and so it's just been kind of a weird situation I've been thrust into a lot in my life um, over the years and stuff. So it's been really nice to not have to explain it to people. Yeah. <laughs> I've had people come up to me and be like, I had no idea. And I'm like, you've been my best <laughs> friend for six years. How did you not know? <laughs> like, I thought we had this conversation. Like, yeah. what? We talked about this. <laughs> you didn't tell me this. I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> like, I didn't talk now. You know, but it's uh, that's that's the benefit of it for me is I'm gonna have everything out there, and at least you know, if nothing happens, at least I tried. 
Yeah. Well, and I'm sure it feels like you have a weight lifted off of your shoulders now that you're not harboring it by yourself anymore. There's thousands of people who are invested in the story now. Absolutely. And everyone's been so nice. Like, I love that. Yeah. Everyone's been really great. And I've been extremely lucky because, you know, the internet, um, (laughs) yeah. It's not always so nice. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I've, you know, I think I, I was talking to somebody recently and I said I had makeup on in one video. I had my hair done on in one video, like, and no one's mentioned it, which is amazing. You're like, because nice, that is like 90% of the trolls on TikTok, you know, like you're just talking about appearance. That's for sure. Thank you. Um, but it's, I, it's really great because I feel like listened to and validated and, like it's more of a community than just me. You're thinking. telling this story, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Is sense. there is there anything that we or our listeners can do to like help with um, helping getting the case re reinvestigated, or is there anything that we can do? Even if it you? Mean, if it's just like supporting you somehow. <laughs> oh yeah, no. I mean, the thing is, like with this, it's pretty much just people watching and like continuing to watch and like share it with their friends and their family or like, you know, people that would be interested in it. Don't share it yeah. with people that traumatized, but you know, don't yeah. share it with people. <laughs> Valid. <laughs> like some people I'm like, okay, this was a little too close to home for you. I'm so sorry. Like I did not mean to bring all this up. Um, You're like, join the club. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hi. Um, yeah. But it's mostly um, just the more eyes on it, the better, like, because that's what it's been lacking. Me and my friends have always said that um, if this happened in the time of the internet, it would have been a whole different story. Oh, it would have been solved like day three, y'all are going to court. (laughs) Yeah, done, done and done. Um, You know, and we had a private investigator who did say like, you know, if this had happened in Indiana, he would have been arrested within 12 hours. You know, and it's mm-hmm. just one of those things where it's like, yeah, but nothing happened, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. and we never really found out why. Um, so it's just having eyes on it puts pressure mm-hmm. on, on the right people, I feel like, because I know that they're already hearing about it. So basically just the only thing that I could say that would really help is just sharing it and like telling people about it yeah. and talking about yeah. it like you guys are doing, you know, like it's amazing. I saw your video and then I went through and like watched all of them. And I was, I looked in the comments because I saw a lot of people were like, have any podcasts reached out to you? I was like, well, this is my shot. I'm going to shoot my <laughs> shot. My- <laughs> <laughs> Just because like it, it's, it's important. And also for us specifically, like we like to give voice to the victims and the victims' families if we can. Mm-hmm. So that's why like having an interview with you, it, it, gets people more invested because they're hearing it directly from you they can care about you instead of just giving them factual information oh absolutely and it's nice because i can show off my sense of humor a little bit instead of just reading 911 calls like (laughs) you know like yeah all right i have three minutes to get my point across yes y'all buckle up (laughs) like we'll get through it like it's actually been really great for me personally because um my mom's friends have reached out and and people from when I was little have reached out um, a lot of people in that community and people in 
Illinois and Indiana, like everywhere we've lived have started reaching out and being like, I knew that he did it. And I was just like, well, you didn't tell me. Um, (laughs) Had to figure it out all on your own. Yeah, but you know. You're like, so when we go to court about this, let me just write your name down because I'm going to subpoena you. How do you spell it? With an I or an E? Like, no. uh, (laughs) He always made it out like he had all of this support. Um, you know, from everyone. And, and, you know, it just made me believe him more. And then when they came out and they were like, no, like we all, we all thought he did it. I would, and it's, it's been very helpful to me, like with my like way of processing it because yeah, I know it's validation. Yeah. And most people have just said, and they haven't said like, oh, hey, he did that. They're just like, we just never saw your mom doing that to herself. So yeah. yeah it's been very cathartic for me to like hear from them and helpful. Absolutely. So because there's been some renewed interest in the case, it looks like there might be some more investigation happening. That's a really good thing. And I hope that we can come on here at some point in the future and have some follow-up about some sort of consequences that he might get, but who knows? We'll see. Let us know what you think. If you believe that maybe he did it like uh, some theories i guess just be respectful when you do it of course because this is we'll probably see them and this is also yeah this is also an ongoing investigation so and people are affected by it yeah these are people's lives so please be respectful about it carol is buried at the friends chapel cemetery in scotland illinois and if you want to keep up with brooke as she goes through the rest of the evidence that's was collected during the investigations. You can follow her on TikTok at bnicole324. And yeah, that's really all we have right now. So I'm hoping um, that you guys will start sharing, talking about the case, just getting it out there. Because the more attention it gets, the more likely it is we'll be able to do something to, well, not us, but like, you know, the, the police, the investigators will be able to do something to actually look into this more and get some justice for carol because she deserves it so we are on social media we are on instagram at shockingly wicked podcast we are on twitter at wicked podcast one we are on tiktok at shockingly wicked we are on youtube at shockingly wicked podcast and we are also on facebook we are also we have our website which is shockingly wicked where you can find all things shockingly wicked we also have our patreon which you can find linked on our website where you can get some exclusive content primarily uh, new bonus episodes, unedited video content, which <laughs> is funny. You're going to see how we have gonna see how many times. Yeah, you're going to see how many times we mess up when we record. And you my never cats know. make a lot of appearances. Yes, yes, they do. So you'll see a lot of cat butts. <laughs> and if you want a shout out in a future episode, join any tier. Any tier is welcome. Yes. Any tier, you'll get a shout out on an episode. Well, we're working on getting some merch, like either shirts. Um, we, I know you are get a sticker pack. We are working on stickers. So those are definitely coming with each tier. But let us know if there's certain things that you think sh- we should offer in our tiers. And we'll probably put that into, into consideration. So that is all for us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us and coming back for season two. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.